and amen. Tonight I want to share a message that I had shared about four years ago. And I really felt led in the spirit to share this very same message tonight because if there was, any, if there was ever a time where the worry level has peaked, it would be now. Especially in the year 2020 where we were hit with COVID and how COVID affected everyone not just certain pockets of the world, but the entire world. And it caused so much strain, it caused so much concern, it it caused so much anxiety and fear and worry. And many of us have, have been affected by COVID personally. And of course, you know, things have now relaxed. Things are now starting to become back to normal again. The worry level has decreased. People are not wearing masks now. People are going into stores. People are gathering together with their families until the Delta uh, virus come up. And it's already affected some people, even those that have been vaccinated. And now, because of this, the worry level has started to increase and affecting people. And tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of worry because worry is like a man who worried one day that he will die of cancer because cancer is so prevalent today. And he worried about cancer for, for 30 years and he died of a heart attack as a result of it. Now, does that mean that we don't take care of our, our health? I mean, sure, we're supposed to, we, we want to take care of our health. Does it mean that we can do everything that that we need to do to stay healthy? Of course, absolutely. But once you've done everything that you can possibly do, once you've done everything that you know to do, stop worrying. That's what God says. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And that's what we're going to look into the scriptures because worry is an insult to God. And we're going to look uh, closely to that as well. Listen, we all have to admit that Worry has become a common problem and a common temptation in our lives. I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, for some, it's become a favorite pastime. There are some who worry more than others. And, and let's put, let, let me put it like this. Every one of us are experienced warriors. Not warriors, warriors. We all have experience in worrying, some more than others. But everyone is worried about something. If I was to ask you if you're worried about something, I would guarantee that almost everyone, if not everyone, has at least one thing that they're worried about. But that's because worry is a universal problem. It affects everyone throughout this whole universe. So some of us might be worried about our children. Some of us might might be worried about our health. Some are worried about their future. Some are worried about their marriage, but, some, but, but we're worried about something. And tonight I want to show you that this is not the life that God wants us to live. This is not the life that he intended for us to live, but he intended for us to live a life that is peaceful, that is carefree, and that's worry-free. Now you might ask, well, how can we live a life of peace, worry, a, a life that's worry-free and carefree? Well, that's what the Bible tells us. And so we're going to learn about that tonight because it is possible. Because if God tells us to stop, to stop worrying, 
There's a reason why. It's because God does not want us to live every day of our lives worrying and being filled with anxiety. Because worry is an insult to God. So let me start off by sharing with you Webster's definition of worry. All right. The first definition is worry means to give way to anxiety or unease and allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. The second definition is a state of mental and emotional agitation and distress resulting from undue concern over something impending or anticipated. The third is worry involves an uneasiness of mind or a boosting or brooding anxiety about a real or imagined situation or possibility. And the fourth and final one, an anguished uncertainty and self-doubt about one's ability to cope with the situation to the point of becoming distressed, distraught, panicky, and tormented. Worry can cause us to become uh, hesitant, to cause us to withdraw, and even lead us to panic and to fear. But, I, but understand this. Well, before we, I'm getting ahead of myself, go to Psalm 143 and verse 4. Let's begin there. Psalm 143 and verse 4. We're going to take a peek of David's life. In verse 4, it says this. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is distressed. Now, the Amplified Version reads it like this. Therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed and faints within me, wrapped in gloom. My heart within my bosom grows numb. So David describes his situation as being in a very dark place because he was being oppressed by his enemies, causing him to become deeply distressed and overwhelmed with much worry that it caused his heart to be paralyzed with fear. David was deeply affected by his circumstances. Understand that worry is a weapon of Satan. Satan, we know, is a great deceiver will use worry to distract us, to rob us, to lie to us, because his whole goal is to draw our focus away from God and his word. Now understand this, that whatever we focus our attention on is what will dominate our thoughts. And what consumes our thoughts will control our lives. And Satan understands that. But that's why the scripture tells us in Hebrews 12 too that we are to fix And to focus our attention on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. But I like to say that worry is Satan's weapon of mass destruction. Because worry is not a local problem. Worry is not a United States problem. Worry is a universal problem. And Satan extends his evil influences throughout this world. Spreading this lie of worry. So Satan's ambition is to simply steal, kill, and to destroy the faith of every believer. And understand this, just as we know that faith comes by hearing the word, Satan also knows that as well. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, where Jesus was teaching in the parable of the sower. And as he began teaching the, the, the parable, he, to the multitude of the people, what he did was he, after he finished, he Turned, he pulled his uh, disciples aside and began to explain what this parable meant. And he was talking about how the parable was sowing the seed, and the seed was the word of God. 
And the seed was planted in many different uh, places. There were seeds that were planted by the wayside. There were seeds that were planted on stony ground. And then the seed that I want to look at tonight is the seed that is the third seed that was sown among thorns. In verse 22, it says this, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out or choked by what? The worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced or become unfruitful. So the devil is out to get uh, to rob our, the word from our hearts. And he knows that faith comes by hearing. But if he can draw our attention away from the word and away from God and fill our hearts with worry, then he's distracted us and caused havoc in our lives. Because understand this, Satan wants us to focus on the unknown, on the uncertainties, and also the cares of life, because he knows those are things that will cause us to draw away from God and, to, and draw our focus away from him. He knows those are things that will cause us to worry and be filled with anxieties. And what it does is simply not only distract us from, away from God, but it also chokes the word that we've received from God's word. When we have no peace, when we have no joy, when our, our mental energy is drained, when our emotional and spiritual well-being is a mess, when we find ourselves distracted from God's word, from prayer, then it could be that you've fallen victim to worry. Because understand this, when we worry, we get so caught up, we get so wrapped up, we get so consumed and so overwhelmed by our own fears of what's going to happen that we completely miss what God is doing in our lives right now. For the Christian, worry is absolutely contrary to faith in Christ. Now, I gave you the Webster's definition for worry. Now, let me give you the biblical definition for worry. I want you to go to Psalm 55 and let's look at verse 22. Psalm 55 verse 22 says this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved or to waver or to be shaken. The Amplified Version says it like this. Releasing the weight of it. So what the scripture is saying here is that it is God's responsibility to take on all of, our, all of our worries and all of our cares. Because he says to cast your burdens on him. So if we know that it is God's responsibility to take on all of our cares and all of our worries, then it clearly defines what worry really is. And worry is to assume a responsibility that is not necessarily ours to assume. Are you hearing me? When we worry, we fail to recognize that God is bigger than everything that we face in life. When we worry, we fail to recognize that God loves us enough to care about us even in the midst of our situation. So when we talk about the biblical definition of worry, worry is simply this. is taking on the responsibility that actually belongs to God because he says cast all of your burdens unto the Lord first Peter 5 7 tells us casting all of our cares to him because he cares for you <clears throat> so 
Go to Matthew chapter 6 and let's talk about and let's look at what Jesus says about worry. And know this, that worry is not actually mentioned anywhere in the, in the King James Version. But the word which best character, characterizes worry is the word translated thought, anxiety, careful, or care. So whenever you see those words, it's just another, word of say, another way of saying worry. So in chapter 6, it's one of the three chapters that theologians call the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. And these sermons are, are, are basically instructions concerning many different topics. And one of the topics that Jesus talks about is worry. And so we begin in verse 25, where Jesus starts to say, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now we can stop right there and end service right here. But yet Jesus continues. He says, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, if God gave us this wonderful gift of life, then surely he will do all that he can to provide everything that we need in order to sustain and support this life. Wouldn't you say? Because listen to what he says in the last part of verse 25. He says, is not life more or greater in quality than food? John 10.10, 10, he says, I come to you with life. I come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. So if he gave us life and this wonderful life that he's given to us at, at, because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you think that Jesus will also do everything he can to sustain this life that he's given us? But Jesus continues with this sermon. Verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Since there are no worries among the birds, there should be no worries among us. Birds don't worry about where, you know, where their food's coming from because God always provides for them. So in the same way, we, we don't have to worry about our own lives because God is there to take care of us. And I think this is one of the things that really ministered to me is how much God wants to take care of us. And that's something very important for us to understand and to believe. In verse 27, it says this, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? In the New, the New Living Translation, it says this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And of course, the answer to that is no. Because what Jesus is simply saying is this, worrying is useless because it changes nothing. But then he goes on to say this, and this is a question for all of us here tonight in verse 28. So why do you worry? Have you ever asked that question? Have you asked yourself that question? Why do I worry? What's the question that Jesus is also asking us? He says, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
And then verse 30, Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Or will he not take care of us as a person? O ye of little faith. So worry is essentially not trusting God, which is a characteristic of an unbeliever. And how many believers we have here tonight? So worry should not be an issue. Then he goes on to say in verse 31, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now Jesus concludes this sermon in verse 34, when he makes this statement, and I want to say this, and I want to read this to you from the Amplified Version. Having said all that he had said about worry, he says this, So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Now, I read this somewhere, and I can't remember where I read this, and um, from, a, from a minister, and I don't even remember who he was. But he made this statement. It was really, really awesome. I want to read this to you. But he said this. There are two days that you should never spend a lot of time thinking about. Yesterday and tomorrow. Then he goes on to say, many of us are crucified between two thieves. He says, on the right is a thief called yesterday. On the left is a thief called tomorrow. Both can rob you of peace and joy. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that so powerful? But that is so true. Because we spend so much time worrying about yesterday, which we can't do anything about, and then worry about tomorrow, which we have no control over. But it can rob us of our peace and joy. But understand that Jesus made a strong emphasis on this word worry because he mentioned it six times in this, in this message or this sermon. Matter of fact, the way it was written, it was written with a strong sense to stop something that is already in progress. And for many of us, Worry is already in progress in you. Worry has already set its motions, already taken its course in us. But we want to stop because Jesus said to stop worrying. And three times he tells us that. Stop worrying. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. So his message still speaks to us today, clearly and very loudly, to stop worrying. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, stop worrying. Now let's look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. I, I said to say not to try to convince them. Proverbs 12 and verse 25. We know that, fail, that worry is a failure to recognize that God is bigger than every problem that we face. We also learn that when we worry, we assume the responsibility of taking on those burdens when that responsibility actually belongs to God. And this can be harmful to us. But worry is known as the mental monster because it can tear at your heart, your mind, as well as your emotions. In Proverbs 12 and verse 25, it says this, Anxiety or worry or heaviness in the heart of man causes depression. 
but a good word makes it glad. The Amplified Version says it like this. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. In many studies from doctors and psychologists, they say that anxiety can really weigh a man down, literally causing a man to bow down, and it depresses him. Many doctors say, and it's interesting because many doctors say they, they spend a big chunk of their time tending to, to people who are not sick. They're just worried. But worry can not only be harmful to, to our thoughts and our emotions, but it can also do some harm to our physical bodies. For instance, worry can cause high blood pressure. Worry can cause heart trouble. Worry can cause headaches and ulcers. It can cause stomach disorders. It can cause a loss of appetite. It can cause us to lose sleep. So worry can actually affect our physical well-being. But it can also affect our emotional well-being. Go to Psalm 25 and in verse 17. Worry can bring emotional distress as we see in David's example. 25 verse 17 says, The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Obviously, David was going through a very difficult time. And the trouble that is in David's heart was the anguish, the distress and, the, and the, the affliction that is caused by worry. Worry has become a daily diet in our society today. Studies show that most of our worries are based on groundless or imaginary fears. As a matter of fact, the overwhelming majority of our worries are based on what ifs and not realities. For instance, what if I get into a car accident? Or what if I make a mistake? Or what if I have cancer? What if somebody breaks into my house? What if people don't like me? What if I can't pay my mortgage or pay my bills? Life becomes a question of what ifs. And we find ourselves worrying about those things. From breakfast until bedtime, our lives are characterized by worry. And this reminds me of a story of a man who went up to his friend and he tells, tells his friend, man, dude, you look so worried. And the friend uh, tells his other friend, he says, man, I've got so many problems in my life. He says, if something else goes wrong with me today, I'll have to wait two weeks to get around to worrying about it. Talk about overwhelmed with worry. What's interesting is that studies show a group of psychologists got together and, and came up with a study. It says that 40% of our worries are about things that never happen. 30% of the things that we worry about are things about our past. And 22% of the things that we worry about are petty things. It was said that for every person that worries about the end of the world, there are a thousand more worrying about the end of the month. This is what I call a daily diet of worries. And what's interesting is only 8% of what we worry about has any real significance at all. So out of 100%, only 8% has any significance. Everything else is just what ifs. Go to Luke chapter 10. Worry leads to many things. 
There's an old an ancient proverb that says this. It says, worry gives small things big shadows. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, we read a very well-known uh, passage of scripture about Mary and Martha. And it goes on to say in verse 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, they and he, meaning Jesus and his disciples, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. In verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And then Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now, the only person that was stressed in this house was Martha. The scripture says in verse 40 that she was distracted with much serving. But Jesus, identifying the real issue, says in verse 41 that she was worried and troubled. She was not only worried and troubled, but Jesus says she was worried and troubled about many things. Martha was worried and troubled and was so upset that she complained to Jesus and told Jesus, well, she expected Jesus to side with her and to understand her and to sympathize with her. Because what she was asking Jesus to do is to tell her sister Mary to get up off the floor, stop listening to the words of Jesus, and go into the kitchen and help Martha so she can be distracted and serving and so that she can be worried and troubled about many things like her sister. Isn't that crazy? This is what she was asking Jesus to do. But then Jesus, trying to calm Martha, trying to get her to relax, trying to get her to chill out, said, Martha, relax, relax. Understand that Jesus wasn't upset with her. He was, he was simply trying to get her to understand that she was so distracted that it was getting away from what was most important to her. You understand that in verse 42, Jesus says, one thing is needed. And Mary chose that one thing. And then in verse 39, we find out what that one thing was. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. When we find ourselves worried, we need to find out that one thing that we need to do. The one thing that is most important to us. And that is to sit at Jesus' feet and seek his wisdom and seek his word. Especially in the, you know, depending on the circumstances that you're in. Too many people, they, they get so caught up in their worries and their fears that they begin to make bad decisions, irrational decisions. Sometimes they don't make any decisions at all because they're afraid, because they're filled with worry. But Jesus says there's one thing that is needed. Sit at Jesus' feet. Seek out his word. And understand this. Mary was not worried about anything. Because she was sitting at Jesus' feet. It was Martha that was worried about many things because she was not sitting at Jesus' feet. But yet Martha wanted Mary to get up from that environment, from that place, so that she can get caught up with Martha to be worried about many things. I don't know about you, but I'd rather sit at Jesus' feet. It's more peaceful there. I can rest at his feet. I can feel calm and relaxed at his feet. 
Because to stand in his presence, there's peace. To stand in his presence, there's rest. To stand in his presence, there's confidence. Go to Matthew chapter 14. The warrior is always ruled by the circumstances. What consumes our thoughts will control our lives. Matthew 14, another very well-known passage of scripture. <coughs> Excuse me. Where Peter was challenged. Understand that worry will challenge your faith. In verse 25, it says this. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately in verse 27, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Verse 28. And Jesus, uh, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And then Jesus says in verse 29, come. And then when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But it's in verse 30 that we find that his faith was challenged. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And then immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said to him, oh, ye of little faith, excuse me. In all the recorded history, only two men ever walked on water. Jesus and Peter. But when Peter was walking on water, his faith was challenged because he took his focus. He took his eyes off the one that helped him to walk on that water. And because he took his focus out, he began to sink and drown. But but why don't understand this? Peter did a remarkable thing. Peter was doing something that no man has ever done before. And if he had just remained focused on Jesus, rather than getting caught up in worry, which led to fear, causing him to sink into the water and almost drown, he would have accomplished something great. How many of us have missed out on accomplishing some great things because of worry? How many of us have missed opportunities of doing something wonderful because of worry? How many of us have lost these opportunities because we've taken our focus off God and got caught up and wrapped up in worry and anxieties because of the circumstances in our lives? And I believe that too many of us have done that. Worry will distract you from the truth. And that's what happened to Peter. Peter took his eyes off the truth, which was Jesus, and he looked at the circumstances, and, and, our, and, and it stopped him from walking on water. It stopped him from doing one, something great and something wonderful, something he can talk to everyone and say, look at what I've done. But he was never able to do that simply because he took his eyes on Jesus. Peter was not only distracted by the circumstances that was facing him, but he allowed the circumstances to take control of him. 
robbing him of his faith to accomplish great things. And see, this is what worry does. It takes over us. The circumstances that we face in life, if we allow it to take over our, our minds, our thoughts, our thinking, it will prevent us from accomplishing anything in life. Pastor John mentioned something about uh, starting up the, uh, the, the series on renewing of the mind. Uh, I, that's one of the most important messages, that a uh, series of messages that you can ever listen to. And I encourage you, if you've never listened to it before, please don't miss it. And, and those who have listened to it, those who have heard the series, it's, it doesn't get old. I would encourage you to listen to it because it really helps us to renew our thinking and know what, what's behind our thinking. But worry will challenge you. Worry puts your focus in the wrong direction. See, what worry does is shifts your focus of attention from, all, from the all-sufficient power of God. And then it shifts to our own human insecurities, inefficiencies, and our own weaknesses. And I don't know about you, but left to myself, with all my worries... I'm not going to do very well at all. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But when we rely and take our, and keep our eyes on the all-sufficient power of Christ, if we keep our eyes and our focus and our attention on what really matters, we can overcome anything in life. Christians who worry, and this is what's, what's interesting. Christians who worry believe that God can redeem them. That God can break the shackles of Satan. Believe that they can, uh, uh, that Jesus can take him from heaven to hell. I mean, from hell to heaven. From death to life. From darkness to light. To bring him into his kingdom and then give him eternal life. Yet they can't think that God can help them to everyday matters of life. And even take him or get him past through the last couple of days. Why is that? Why can we believe that God can redeem us, but, he, but, but yet we have a hard time believing that he can help us in our everyday matters of life, in our everyday affairs? Those are Christians that worry. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's look at verse 5. Worry is the opposite of trust in God. Now, it may be a shock to some of you when I say that worry is actually a sin. Worry is a spiritual problem because it involves a distrust or lack of trust in Christ or lack of faith in Christ. Now, understand that the Bible doesn't explicitly say that worry is sin. But based on the verses that we're going to be looking at, it, it pretty much concludes that sin, that worry is sin. For instance, in Romans 14 and verse 23, the Bible says that whatsoever is not a faith is sin. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 5, it says this. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs. From the Lord. Now, what Jeremiah was referring to was during that time, the Jews had this tendency of relying on the strength and support of Egypt because they were worried about Babylon and Assyria. 
And rather than uh, seeking support and strength from God, they turn from God to rely on someone that is not as powerful or reliable as God is. In Matthew chapter 6, if you remember, in verse 30, Jesus says that if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire, it says that he will certainly take care of you. Why do you have little faith? In other words, what Jesus was saying is, why can't you believe that? Why can't you believe that Jesus will take care of you? Why can't you believe that if you rely on him, he's going to be there for you? Worry is a failure to believe in his promises concerning your situation. But more important than what worry does to us, it's what we communicate about God to others. See, when you worry, you're saying in effect, God, I can't trust you in this. When you worry, it's like striking a blow of, of, Jesus, uh, of God's person and character, which is why it's such an insult to God. Do you believe in God? Do you have faith in God? Then we need to stop worrying. I know it sounds simple, but it actually is. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Look at verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, this is not a request. This is not a suggestion, but a command. Be anxious for nothing. The idea is that the believer is not to worry about a single thing. He's telling us not to worry about not even one thing. So to not, uh, to not be anxious and, and for nothing, or to fail to not be anxious for nothing, is a violation of God's word. It's a violation of God's command to not be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about nothing. But to worry about everything is a violation of God's command. Now, humanly speaking, the Philippians had grounds to worry because during that time they were suffering from severe uh, persecution. They were dealing with false teachers that were going around teaching false uh, doctrines. They were dealing with poverty and every trials and temptations imaginable. But yet Paul tells them, be anxious for nothing. I don't know what some of you might be going through. But the word says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. And you know, what's encouraging to me is this. When God says to be careful for nothing, when he says don't worry about anything, it means that God's got something going on. It means that God's already got a plan. It means that God is going to take care of you. It means that God got you. So when, say, when God says don't worry about it, he's saying, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about a thing. I got you. Things may not look the way you want it to look. Things may not be going well. Everything around you might be falling apart. Your whole life 
may look like it's a mess. But Jesus is saying, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about a thing. Because I got you. I got a plan. I got something going. Just trust me. See, when we, when we worry, we are not living up to God's standard. What is God's standard? Well, we know that sin means missing the mark. It means missing the standard that God had set. God has a righteous and holy standard. He's already established. Sin is anything that falls under that. And so the scripture tells us in Romans 1 and verse 17, for instance, and you don't need to turn there, but I'm just going to give you a bunch of verses of scripture and you can just write it down as reference. But Romans 1, 17 simply says, the just shall live by faith. That's a standard. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That's God's standard. Philippians 4, 6, which I've read to you earlier, be anxious for nothing. That's God's standard. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all of your cares to him because he cares for you. That's a standard. Psalm 55 and verse 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord. That's a standard. And Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's God's standard. These are some of God's standards to live by. But worrying is living underneath those standards. The just shall live by faith. But when you're worrying, you're not living by faith. When we walk by faith and not by sight, but if you're worrying, you're not walking by faith. You're walking by your circumstances. When the scripture says be anxious for nothing, worrying means that you're worrying about everything. And you're falling short of his standard, which is sin. It's missing the mark. Go to Psalm 127 and verse 2. Our, our sin is simply failing to believe that God will care for us even when he promised to do so. Psalm 127 and verse 2 says this. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. The message translation says it like this. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Now look at Luke 12, uh, Luke 12 and verse 11. He says this. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. You see, because God already has a plan. He says, don't worry about what to say. Don't be intimidated by what they tell you. Don't even think about what, just, I've got something for you. I've got you. In verse 12, he says this, this is God's plan. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Mark eleven thirteen and verse 11 says this, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak because I've got you. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that 
For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. See, so God does not want us to go around feeling anxious or worried for every situation that we face in life. But God wants us to have a confidence in knowing that God has got us covered. See, that's the basis of us not worrying. It's the fact that we know that God is going to take care of us. No matter what we face in life, if it's going to cause fear, it's going to, if it's going to cause worry, if it's going to cause anxiety and distress, trust that God has got something going and ready to, and, and, and ready to, to, to take care of you in whatever situation you find yourself in. When God says, don't worry, when he says, take no thought for your life, when he says, be anxious for nothing, it's because God has something in store. God's got you. Turn to your name and say, God's got you. Go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 as we get ready to close. By now it should be pretty clear that God does not want us to worry. Matthew 6 and verse 25, we read this earlier. But God sets the standard for living a carefree and worry-free life. When he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Three times in this passage, he commands us to stop worrying, to continue to worry about anything or to stop worrying in the first place is to violate God's command to not worry. But if you're here tonight and you're born again and you've turn your, away from sin and you're following the Lord Jesus with all of your heart. His will for you tonight is that you not be worried about anything, but that you enjoy the peace and the confidence and security that only He can provide. Let me leave you with this last verse in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. He says, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind, whose focus, whose eyes, whose attention is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I'm not saying don't worry, be happy. I'm not saying don't worry and do nothing. What I'm saying is don't worry, trust God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can live a life of peace, a life that is carefree, a life that is free of worry and concern and, and anxieties. But Lord, that peace can only come through you. And Lord, we recognize, Lord, that you want to take responsibilities over all the affairs of our lives. So we have nothing to worry about. And whenever we're faced with a worry, Lord God, we are going to cast it over to you. Because you want to take responsibility over that. You want to take responsibility over everything that we worry about. And Lord, we thank you that we can come to you and find that peace and find that confidence. 
Lord, I thank you for helping us to walk in perfect peace. And Lord, I thank you that you will help us and build our, our, our spirit man up, Lord God, so that whenever we're faced with challenges in life, rather than being consumed with fear and worry, that we can sit at your feet and do the one thing that is needful, and that is to seek your face, seek your word, and seek your wisdom. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We praise you. We, we glorify your name. We thank you, Father God, that if we take these words and heed these words that you shared with us tonight, and we're going to make every effort, Lord God, to live each day without worry and without care. Your word says, don't worry about your life. And Lord, from this day forward, we are not going to worry about our lives. But Lord, we're going to walk in confidence in knowing, Lord, that you are walking with us and taking care of us because you love us. And Lord, for this we thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen.